Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. Today, I will be interviewed about my experience living and working during the COVID-19 pandemic by my friend and classmate and colleague, Star Davis. Star is the first person I interviewed for my oral history project, so I thought I would ask her to interview me. Star Davis is a writer, an editor, a poet, and an instructor. Her poems and essays can be found in many publications, including Kenyon Review, Columbia Journal, The Rumpus, and you can find her poems and writing on her website, www.star.davis.com. I'll briefly say that I talk about living and working and going to school online while living in Jamaica, Queens, New York, teaching at a university in Manhattan, New York, and I briefly worked in person as a substitute teacher for New York City Public Schools. There was a, a teacher shortage, and I did it for a month, and I'm thankful for the opportunity, and I completed my MFA in creative writing. So without further ado, take a listen to my interview, or Star interviewing me. Thank you for your time, Star. Thanks for doing this for me. Um, I guess I'll just say I'm really excited. I asked Star to interview me. Um, she was the very first person I interviewed, and Star is an amazingly accomplished writer, poet, SAS, editor, and her well, her essays are just um, going viral right now. So I'm honored that she has time to, to interview me. Thank you. It's my pleasure, Sonia. I'm so excited. This is an amazing podcast and I'm glad we get to talk about um, how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected you, um, the host, the curator, the creator of this, um, this podcast. So we're excited to hear your story today. Thank you. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, so let's just, for the record, um, do you identify as Black? So, yeah, actually, I do. I usually say I'm Black American. Um, I used to say Jamaican American, and then, and then I was like, oh, but then that's not really taking on my father's side of the family. That's African American and Indigenous American. But yeah, I, I identify as Black. Okay. And... So I know you said Jamaican American. So is that what you would consider your ancestry? You know, that and on my dad's side. So my mom's side, she did her um her 23andMe ancestry. So she knows that there's Irish in our side of the family going back four generations, and then also the Maroons and the Africans. And then on my dad's side, we, he said his grandmother was full-blooded Native American. And I need to do research to know um, which tribe. And my dad was African-American. So I'm a little bit at everything in the diaspora. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I, it's interesting because when we talk about like black and our ancestry, um, I don't think we realize that um, Caribbean, all of those different uh, links to like the slave trading times, like. That, that's all commingled in our DNA. So um, you are as part of the um, diaspora. So that's, that's amazing, Sonia. Um, 
All right, so tell us, tell us your audience, your community, what was your experience living and working and going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic? Thank you, Sarah. I'm glad we're talking about this today and I'll say why towards the end. So during the pandemic, I was teaching writing online. I was an adjunct assistant professor at City College where we met <laughs> and I was teaching and it's very difficult to engage the students. And a lot of them admitted that they were just at home playing video games, you know, like they're 18, 19. And so to be at home and to be basically in bed going to college, so it was very challenging for some students. And then for other students, they they just loved it. They loved being at home. They loved not taking the subway. They did all the work. They, they loved talking. I will say like in the beginning, about half the class would turn their videos on because it wasn't required for privacy reasons. And then by the time the second year rolled around, they um, like no one was turning their video cameras on. Um, Can you kind of elaborate about that experience, especially with students? Like, what was it like to not see them? I mean, that's a part of engagement. So did that affect, like, how you taught in any way? Or, you know, I'm sure it affected engagement. Yeah, it was, it was sad because I was talking to, at first it was just black boxes with their names and white letters. And then by the fall of the fall of 2020, I told them they had to put pictures and they said they didn't know how. So I made like a whole PowerPoint presentation about how to put your picture. Cause I was like, I don't want to talk to names. And so it, it felt like just talking into an abyss. Like I was like, is there anyone there? And sometimes like at the end of the class, some students wouldn't log off and I'm like, are they asleep? Are they at work? Like <laughs> every once in a while a student would turn the camera on. They'd be like, I'm on the subway, but I'm listening. I'm just like, okay. Like, so it was, it was hard. Yeah, they took a full advantage of the pandemic and some of the, the flexibility of being able to be on your phone, even with Zoom, and to be, you know, going to school from anywhere. Yeah, it was very challenging. And I gave them up until the end to turn in their essays and I even had office hours um, and I tried really hard, like I didn't want anyone to fail. Of course, there's some students that had like incompletes or who just didn't come. Like they showed up for like three classes and just stopped coming. And so I had to get them to call their advisor and figure out should they get incomplete or no credit. But it was, it was sad. It was challenging and it was sad. Um, I felt like they didn't really get the college experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing, you know, teachers, you know, just doing drive-by congratulations to some of their students and um, just coming up with so many creative ways to let them know that, you know, you as a teacher, you shared um, and admired them for still finishing, but it, it was a crazy time to be a student and I'm sure being a teacher an adjustment. It was hard. I did write a few recommendations for students for the internships that they got. So that was nice. They were like, thank you so much. I got my summer internship. So that was nice. And I thought, well, you know, life still is moving, even though we're not like meeting in real life. So that was a bright side. I don't know if I'm allowed to ask this, but were there any students you were, especially like black and brown students that 
you felt concerned for, you know, just doing remote work during the pandemic? Um, I know a lot of, uh, you know, teachers are more than teachers. You guys are therapists, you guys are babysitters, you guys are, um, you know, uh, social protective service workers. You guys are trying to make sure these kids are safe and that they're okay. Um, was there like some sort of like prolonged anxiety for any students that you just felt, you know, maybe they're not logged on because they don't have, you know, the best living environment right now? Or um, would there ever be any of those situations that really affected you emotionally? Oh, that's a good question. So the students, they didn't really confide in me as to the ones that weren't coming to class, why they weren't. A few just talked about playing video games. A few just said they just couldn't do it. Like they just couldn't bring themselves to log in, but they never told me like, like beyond that, the reasons why. I do remember one student, his whole family caught COVID and he was working and he was like, I'm just, he's like, I'm the cook. I'm like taking care of my little brothers and sisters. My parents are sick in their bedroom. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm like, I want to do the work. And I was like, you have until the very last day after finals. <laughs> I might cry. And he did the work. He did the work. And I was like, oh. and he was, um, he was a uh, brown, brown skinned Black American. And you know, in City College, most of the students are people of color. So, but yeah, they never really confided in me, but I did know this once that they had a really hard time and I, I gave them all until the very end of the semester because I just didn't want them to fail. But yeah, it was hard. That's so for heartbreaking. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. I forget that students, you know, they're also, you know, they're taking care of their family just as much as their families are taking care of them. And I think we all learned that during the pandemic that it was just, we're all in this together. Um, you know, kids became you know, parents for their parents and parents became, you know, other things for their kids, their friends, their, you know, um, then we rediscovered levels of intimacy during the, the pandemic um, within our families and within our jobs and careers. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being a vulnerable teacher, someone who feels and cares for her students. But what about you? Um, what was it like? Um, with the commute, I know um, you have that piece in Tri-Quarterly where you did mention for a while you were commuting um, even though you were doing virtual learning. So what was it like being a teacher in New York City during a COVID-19 pandemic? We have Central Park that's full of hospital beds and tents. Um, the city shut down for the most part. I'm sure going on the subway was eerie and weird. Uh, like, tell us, tell us about that. And also, why did they make you guys do that? <laughs> oh, you know, I forgot about that. That's right. In the fall, was it 2021 or 2020? 2021, probably. It's, oh, my gosh. I can't remember the year. It's like they blurred together. But in one of the falls, there was like a call for New York City teachers. And so I was like, well, let me sign up because I thought it would be, I thought I'd be teaching from home. And so I, I got hired as a substitute teacher and you know, the Bronx has high need population. So I was commuting from Southside Jamaica Queens to the Bronx. And so the subways were really, really clean because the workers were constantly cleaning. But there was, um, and that, at that point, the homeless people were housed, so there weren't homeless people. But there were a lot of um, 
Well, I'm mentally ill and some uh, uh, visibly drug addicts. Growing up, I read a lot of books about people who who used heroin and they were doing like the heroin lean, like, you know, like you're leaning all the way over, almost touching the ground, but not. And I was like, wow. Like, so that I, I saw a lot more of that on the subways on my commute to the Bronx. And I remember asking the principal, like, if the students are at home, why are the teachers coming to work? So what they had us do was come to work, log into the computers in a classroom and teach the kids online. And I was like, why do I have to be here if I'm teaching them online? And they're like, well, you know, it's a community, we're here to support. I, I don't know why companies do that. So there's about six to eight teachers. We were all in one classroom because look, it's like, it's lonely enough teaching online and we're not gonna all be in a classroom alone. So there's six to eight of us in a classroom, socially distancing, the windows were open, it was really, really cold. And um, I remember when I was teaching, like the student, students who were coming to my class, those teaching Spanish, they're supposed to be in other classes. And the other teachers would be like, yo, you're in her class, you need to come to my class. And I was like, this is crazy. And the kids would be like, what? I can't hear you, I can't hear you. And then they would just like leave my class. <laughs> It was chaotic. <laughs> I'm I'm still stuck on the fact that it's New York that wind chill, and I'm guessing because we believe there's this you know there's this virus is you know there's this airborne virus, so they're just gonna freeze you guys to death. Well, that's right. <laughs> yeah, because it's October and we had our masks on. I kept my coat on. Like I had like um, thermal underwear. I had all these layers. <laughs> Yeah, it was cold. I forgot about that. And I'm like teaching through a mask. It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. Oh my goodness. And are you sheltering in place at this time? You're in Queens, um, New York. Yeah. Um, a lot of people who are listening in, um, you know, may or may not be New Yorkers, but we're outside, you know, folks. So what, what was your neighborhood like and what was that experience like for you um, back home? Yeah, so I was living in Southside Jamaica, Queens with my mom where I grew up, like mom, dad, sister, brother. And um, it was just me and my mom because my dad passed away in 2009. My sister was in Jersey and my brother was in Georgia. Um, and usually my mom would be like traveling all over the world and we'd never really see each other except for maybe dinner a couple times a week she's retired and so all of a sudden like we're like at home so I would teach in the living room there's she had a, a corner of windows with all these plants and it was really peaceful so I would teach with the plants in the window to get sunlight and my mom would be like cooking in the kitchen so we'd have like lunch together for an hour and then I'd go back to like the living room my office and then we have like dinner <laughs> together at seven o'clock because we watch Jeopardy. And then I would go back to the living room and watch like my trashy true crime reality TV shows that she does not want to watch. And she would watch like PBS educational stuff that I did not want to watch. Um, and so it was really peaceful. Like my mom and I thankfully we get along well. We just, you know, like she has her space. And it was a three bedroom, two bathroom apartment in so it's big enough that we um, couldn't even hear each other when we were in separate rooms. 
So that was a good part. I didn't miss my friends. Like I missed you, um, our friends from my MFA program. I did see one of my good friends, teen. We started like a quarantine crew and we made sure we got COVID tested before meeting up. We wore a mask and we were meeting in the winter outside. Like it was cold. Like can you imagine like December, January, outdoors like <laughs> eating outdoors. yeah the it became that became the new thing for restaurants for they were trying to survive with their businesses so you guys are like in these like little pits right trying to be warm yeah yeah so like the drinking alcohol helps but after a while we're like oh our feet are numb <laughs> like we should go hold out but like, yeah, friends I was like I need my friends because before like that was like I want to say 2021 because in 2020 we would just watch movies together like Netflix started that watch party thing that didn't really work for us because there was a, a time delay and so we would like FaceTime watch the same movies and then talk about it so one of my friends she was in where was she I think Michigan Kelly she's an actress and we we would watch like um Tiger King together because we both like reality tv or like um that British show the British Bake Off and then like um Teen and I we would watch um what did we watch oh my gosh I can't remember what was everything that people were watching back then Bridgerton um I feel yeah, so um, I know I know everyone was binging on on similar shows at that time but I was pregnant and uh, I was actually just binging on, I think, The Last Kingdom on Netflix. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I think I was just um, watching some reruns of everything. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, Sonia, thank you for. Um, Thank you for sharing that. And you're right. I think it helps being with, um, you know, family who you can be get along with. And I am glad you're fortunate enough to um, just have that space um, and, and clean with your mom. So uh, to wrap up, um, let us know if there was someone you knew or you were really close with who um, did pass away from coronavirus. And if you, if you just want to share a story about them and pay homage to them in any way. Yeah, thank you for asking that. So in terms of dying from COVID-19, because I helped my mom attend several Zoom funerals, but these were a lot of people um, her her age in, in 2020 who were passing away. So we, we didn't know for sure if it was COVID. And a couple of those funerals that they were streaming were in Jamaica. But then in 2021, was it 2022? Oh my God, time, time. I think it's 2021. My mom, one of her childhood friends, her husband caught COVID. I think he's in his 70s. And unfortunately he had underlying conditions and, and he passed. And we thought like in 2021, like, you know, like the pandemic is ending. And that was hard, that was heartbreaking. And they had an in-person funeral and it was just, it was really sad. Um, his name was Don and I just wanted to say like rest in peace, Don. He was a great guy. They had three daughters and all these grandchildren. And my mom would go on vacation with them to Aruba. And we would have um, the day after Thanksgiving dinner because they would volunteer to feed the homeless through their church on Thanksgiving. And then we'd have 
Thanksgiving dinner with him the day after. Just a great guy. So yeah, um, thank you for asking. Well, thank you for sharing and rest in peace to, to him. And yeah, I think that throughout this podcast, we have talked a lot about some of those recent deaths that were just happening in that, that first wave. But there was a second wave of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic um, when folks thought it was mythically over, but no, it wasn't. So um, I'm so sorry to hear that, but thank you um, for creating this podcast and giving uh, so many people of color um, the opportunity to share their stories and how uh, this pandemic has affected black and brown bodies. Um, Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate you. The first person I thought to interview you. And thank you for interviewing me, Star. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're most welcome. I'm so honored, Sonia. And again, um, the Black community is honored to have storytellers, um, archival enthusiasts, such as this. So thank you. Thank you. Well, I'll be in touch. I cannot wait for us all to get together one day. I don't know when. But thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my conversation on this episode of Black America and COVID, an oral history project. If you enjoyed the episode, then please give it five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. The more five stars the podcast has, the more visible it is, the more access I have to people who would like to share their story living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. If you are a Black American and you would like to share your experience with me, then email me at soniakillaroo at gmail.com. The emails in the show notes of the podcast or direct message me through my instagram account black america and covid all one word all lowercase if you are a non-black american and you would like to memorialize the life of a black american sadly lost during the covid19 pandemic then email me as well this episode was written produced and audio engineered by me Sonia Jean Killebrew, podcast host and executive producer. Thanks for listening to my oral history project, Black America and COVID.